Good evening. Uh, I want to thank our our pastor for allowing me to to uh, share what lead us in our message tonight, uh, in our passage that we're studying. The one thing that I can promise you is that when we're done, you will appreciate him much more. <laughs> so, um, you want to turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at the first seven verses there. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This, uh, I've, we've learned a lot. All of us have benefited greatly uh, from Brian being our pastor. And one of the things is, is going through uh, the scripture as he does, you pick up little things and you start doing things at home and, and what have you. Here in verse 1, it begins with therefore. How many times have we heard him ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Um, drives us back into the passage, the end of chapter 3, where Paul is, is encouraging this entire book, really, is an encouragement in, in, uh, to the Philippians uh, from Paul while he's in prison in Rome. And he's talking about there in, in the previous passage in chapter 3, talking about uh, the people that aren't believers, the people of this world, their end is destruction, their, their God is their belly, their glory is in their shame, and their minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject uh, all things to himself. That is our hope. That's where 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 our our focus needs to be, and that's what Paul's reminding them in this passage. He's encouraging these people that he loves so dearly, and let's not forget that the rest of that chapter one, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Now, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I've coached basketball for, for several years, and, and uh, uh, some of the players 
that I've had would probably tell you, a couple of them are here tonight, and they'd probably tell you, you know, I chew on their ear pretty good at certain times, and I'll flat out get on them. But they take it. They take it. They try to, to uh, do better or do what I'm asking. And at least from my side of it, I hope that they, that, that happens because they know I love them. I'm not yelling for the sake of yelling. I'm not getting on them just to get on or because I don't, he's too short anyway. I love those boys. And I wanted them to be the best they could be, win, lose, or draw. I wanted them to accomplish the goals that we had set for ourselves as a team and as individuals. That's part of that. That's why, why Paul starts out this way, this chapter. And he does it throughout the, throughout the book. It's, it's in every chapter. But he loves and longs for these people. He's reminding them. Everything I'm doing, the encouragement, even when I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready to actually call out two of you. I'm not doing it to embarrass you. I'm not doing it to gossip. I'm doing it because I love you. Stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Now, what does entreat mean? The definition I found says to ask in a serious and emotional way. He's not simply saying, okay, you women need to work this out. He's pleading with both of them. Notice he says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche. He's pleading with both of them to come together in the Lord as they once were. Both of these women need to agree, compromise, apologize, or just get over it, but they need to do that because <clears throat> well, there's, there, because they have labored so long in the Lord. They've labored side by side with Paul. This is, And this is one of the key things that, that I think we need to notice here. Uh, verse 3, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored, labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. <clears throat> Paul is encouraging these women to come together in the Lord because... That's what matters. If you notice, we don't know what the disagreement's about. It doesn't tell us. And I think that's important that it doesn't tell us what, what the disagreement's about because us being us, if we knew, we would be legalistic about it, wouldn't we? If this was over hairstyle or whatever, we would, we would stick to that. We would label that to this, you need to be in the Lord. We need to come together in the Lord in this because we're having a, a, a disagreement over one particular thing. We don't know what it is. That tells us that we always need to come together in the Lord. Our focus needs to be 
that. Back in verse 1 of Philippians, verse 27, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. No matter what other things we've got going on here. If our hope, if our joy is in that gospel, in that eternity, in what we, he was talking about, in what we're supposed to stand firm, the citizenship that we have in heaven, then that other stuff doesn't matter. What matters is the heavenly things, the ultimate things, the things that lead to that citizenship in heaven and pointing others to that citizenship in heaven through Christ. He entreats, he, he's also asked uh, this person, that this says true companion to help these women. And in the, K, in the King James, it says true yoke fellow. The Greek word for this is something. Brian can pronounce it. I cannot. But uh, it suggested it might actually be a proper name, a true yoke fellow, which would be uh, someone who pulls well together with another in a harness, like, like oxen plowing a field. And he's, being, he's asking him, help these women. Help them see this. You labored side by side with me, and now whatever's going on it's getting you off. It's getting you off focus, right? And this, and this, this difficulties, these, these, what, whatever's come between you, is getting in the way of that goal, of spreading and sharing that gospel, of keeping your focus on the citizenship in heaven. And I think this is important. I pointed this out to the youth this morning. In all of this, I think I think there's there's a there's a it's a give and take here, and it, and it's hard for us to to battle because of our sinful natures. It's hard for us to to balance them a lot. But we are God's creation. We're created in God's image. We're the focus of his love and mercy. We mean so much to him that he sent Jesus Christ to redeem us from our sin so that we can be with him forever. And guess what? It ain't about us. It's not about us. The reason that story that is so glorious, the reason it is so wonderful is because of Jesus. Because of what he did. The part he plays in it. And the fact that God had that mercy on us. That. Is what causes us. To follow in the, in the next path. In the next verse. It says rejoice. In the Lord always. 
again I say rejoice. Now rejoice, the definition of rejoice is to feel or show great joy or delight. That's more than a celebration. My boys at ball teams, we, they celebrated when we won. You didn't see anybody celebrating when we lost. It's more than celebration. Rejoicing is, is that joy, feeling that joy and, and expressing it regardless of our situation or our circumstance. Whether you're in a mansion or under a bridge. In this entire book of Philippians, the word joy is used five times and the word rejoice is used seven times. This is a book to encourage us, encourage the Philippians to have joy in the Lord. Joy because of our union with Christ. Because Christ is faithful and he'll never lie. Because the one that we choose to trust is worthy of that trust. Rejoice just because we're important to him. Rejoice because we can reflect him. Remember, it's not about us. We can reflect him in the world. Just like Paul was doing in prison. In fact, back in chapter 2, he even mentions it, that this has been a good thing. He's thrown in prison. Nobody wants to be thrown in prison. But he says this, this was good because they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about, they recognize I'm here. I'm in bonds for Jesus. They know they're talking and they're spreading that. Can you believe this guy is in prison for Jesus Christ? Why is that? Well, he says, and they're sharing it. They're talking about it. He's able to rejoice in that because it's not about him. Verse 5 and verse 6, they're kind of coupled together here. Uh, let 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 your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, in James uh, chapter 5, verse 8, reminds us of something uh, very similar. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold the judge. He is standing at the door. It's just echoing constantly throughout the letter. This same thought. Now the word reasonableness here in our in the ESV, uh, it, it uses the word reasonableness. There are, and I looked it up out of the CEB. I don't know. I don't know what that one is. NIV, NASB. It uses the word gentleness or gentle spirit. Does anybody have that in their Bible? To say gentleness. Okay, the King James uses moderation, right? Uh, YLT, Young Living Translation. It uses the word forbearance. Does anybody have forbearance? 
the Wycliffe Bible, which he was one of the first to actually translate the Bible into English from the Latin Vulgate. Uses the word patience. And then the CSB or the Holman Christian Standard uses graciousness, right? So what does that mean? That's nine different translations. Does that mean that eight of them are wrong? No. What that tells us is there is no one word in the English language to properly describe the scope and breadth of what that Greek word means. But if we look at all those together, right? Reasonableness, gentleness, moderation, forbearance, patience, graciousness, we get a better picture. We start to see, get a broader picture. It starts to resemble the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Kind of resembles those. That's what we're to be. That's what we're to show to the world. Not under our own power. And not so we can look more righteous than everybody else. It's not about us. But as believers, that fruit is given and grown. Given to us and grown in us. Through the Holy Spirit. And that's what God wants the world to see. Because anybody that's honest knows I'm not that gracious. I'm not that loving. I'm not that kind. So if something, if, if you see me and it comes across that way, it wasn't me. That was God. And it gives us, and that, knowing that, gives me reason, gives me a purpose and, and, and a reason to rejoice. Now, I said these two are kind of tied together. And if you look there, at least in, in this translation in the ESV, the Lord is at hand. Now, that's starting another sentence. But it's starting the sentence that's actually in ver- that is verse six, but it's at the end of verse five. And I think I think I think that's I think God's sovereign over language too and punctuation. You know why do we need to let let reasonableness uh, let our reasonableness bless you be known. To everyone, the Lord is at hand. Because the Lord is at hand. The thing right there in Galatians, before the fruit of the Spirit, it lists that whole laundry list of ugly things, of negative things, of earthly things. And the last part of it says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I cannot Share the hope I have, that citizenship I have in heaven, 
if I'm going to live in this world, if I'm going to be of this world. If I do not let my reasonableness, my gentleness, my patience be known to everybody in every situation. If I don't learn to rejoice and, and have joy regardless of my circumstance or situation. And I can't properly, I can't, I can't even begin to properly convey that. Again, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now to care about something, to have genuine concern about something is one thing, but to worry or be anxious, that's something else. How many of us have actually stopped and thought, and I have not, until I was studying through this, I've actually thought of worry as a sin. Anxiousness. I, when I say, I'm going to say anxiety a lot. I don't mean having an anxiety or panic attack. I'm talking about anxiousness. How many of us have actually thought of that as a sin? Jesus speaks to it in Matthew. Therefore, in chapter 6, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And he goes on, Let, yet your heavenly Father uh, feeds them, are you not more valuable than, than they. He's talking about the, the feeding the animals of the earth, you know, clothing the fields. And those are the, those are the animals and the inanimate objects of this worth. And if he takes that much care with them, why are you worried? You are so much more precious to him than those things. And down towards the very end of that passage. Therefore, do not be anxious. Now that is anxiousness and worry. And I got to thinking about this. Because I am going a lot on trains. So I get to listen to our, I go on our website and I listen to the sermons and I listen to them repeatedly. So things stick out to me. Uh, quite a bit, but you know, Brian has talked often about how our sin should cause us to run to Jesus, right? It should cause us to run to the cross. And when I've sat and thought about that, I was like, I'm ashamed. I mean, when I sin, I realize I've sinned. I'm, I'm ashamed. I, I, your your natural tendency, your human tendency, is to is to hide in shame. But this is a perfect example. This sin of worry and anxiousness is a perfect example of what Brian has spoken to so many times. Because when you get worried, when you're anxious or worried about something, what do you do? Say it. Somebody say it. You pray, right? You pray, Lord, Lord, please, I am so nervous. Please calm my nerves as I get up here and speak in Sunday night. And, and I appreciate it, Lord. And I don't want, I, 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 I want your word to be the focus. But I don't want to look like a fool either. And I worry about that. And I, I don't want to bumble everything. So I pray. 
that sin, any sin in our life. But this is the perfect example. Should drive us, uh, should not drive us away from God in hiding in shame. It should drive us to repentance. Drive us to the cross where that sin was punished. And what? Rejoice. Rejoice in that truth. The proper response to that anxiety from this passage is prayer. Prayer is the outpouring of our heart to God. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Sorry, excuse me. Now, looking at that at that that verse, under what conditions should we pray? When in everything, regardless of our situation or circumstance, prayer in every situation and circumstance. Now, in what frame of mind should we pray? Through supplication, which is, when I looked it up, it's not like I know these words, but the act of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. So we pray with the frame of mind of reverence and true devotion. Asking earnestly and humbly coming before our God. How should we pray? With thanksgiving. Now this, I, and I found this, and I don't remember. I didn't make a notation of this. I'll just say I didn't come up with it, but I love it. When the believer prays, we enter into the very presence of God, realizing that nothing is too great for his power to accomplish and nothing is too small for his love to be concerned about. Our Father, who in Christ loves us with an infinite love. That's who we're praying to. That's that's why we, we look for that. We rejoice in that eternity, in that eternal promise that we'll be with that God. Verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think one of the verses here that I, I looked through, Colossians chapter 3, verse, thir- thir- <laughs> verse 15 through 17. When you read that, it, it, it relates so well to this passage, I think. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts. 
whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Being, praying everything we're doing with thankfulness, in thanksgiving, giving thanks to God. And that, that peace of, of God is beyond our ability to comprehend. But that peace, that again, that word, <clears throat> is a, is a, it's a peace of God, a peace from God Almighty that guards. That word guards in Greek, again, I can't pronounce it. I have it written here, and I'll show it to you if you want to see it later. But it translates as a military term to protect or garrison by guarding. It was, it's used in 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 5. Captain, heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The peace of God is guarding our hearts and our minds like a garrison. When we do this. Now how do we do this? I've struggled with this my whole life. And I'm just now starting to figure it out. And, I, and I'm, I'm starting to. And I'm enjoying it. Because it's amazing. Joy. Having joy and rejoicing in the Lord. Regardless of my circumstance. Regardless of my situation. Because I'm keeping my, my mind on things that are ultimate. A name in the book of life. Right? Eternity with my God and creator. <clears throat> Keeping that focus and rejoicing. Having joy regardless of those circumstances. Creates an attitude that's gracious, that's gentle. That's reasonable. So you get to see that in me. Not because I'm that nice. I'm not. But because I am so thankful. For what Jesus Christ did for me. And that goes out. Constant prayer. In everything. To God above. With what? Thanksgiving. Being thankful. The result. Keeping your mind on the ultimate goals. On the gospel. On the thing that Paul is urging. Euodia and Syntyche. And all the Philippians. You have labored side by side with me. In the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't stop now. Don't let petty things get in your way. Don't let other things and other people get in the way of that goal. You stay focused on that. It creates that joy. 
and it just comes off people. You've seen people like that. We all know people like that. And causing us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. But constantly giving thanks for those gifts. For that graciousness and gentleness. Because deep down, regardless of what anybody at work says and regardless of what anybody else thinks, we know that wasn't us. Giving thanks. And ultimately, the peace of God will guard your hearts, will garrison your hearts and your minds, your emotions and your thoughts to focus on him always because it's not about us. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for our pastor, uh, whom I love dearly, and I appreciate his, his mentorship and his friendship. Thank you for our church family. And uh, thank you for, for your encouragement through Paul to stay the course, to, to stay focused, to focus on you, and not us and to rejoice always give us that strength give us that ability give us that power and may all of heaven scream and shout your glory amen